neutralize every devil out of hell that has tormented us. Whether it's been sickness, disease, oppression, sadness, whatever it is, one day they will bow at the name of Jesus. I love to remind the devil of the scripture in the book of Isaiah. They shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee saying, is this the man that made the nations to tremble? He wants to be a God, but God reminds him who he is. And God says also in the book of Ezekiel, he would lay him before kings. Who would those kings be? Those who have met him in battle. And by the grace of God, we have overcome him. That's awesome, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Certainly welcome you today house of the Lord to the presence of the Lord. Wish to uh, extend to all of our mothers a happy Mother's Day. Thank you for your call. I know that being a mother, I'm sure sometimes you feel so unappreciated, appreciated by your family and maybe even your husband and your kids. And every load of laundry you've ever done, every egg you've ever burnt, every piece of toast that you've burnt while learning how to cook and all the beds that you've made and all the things that you've done. Thank you, sisters. Thank you so much. We so appreciate it. We was very poor when we were raised and I can remember more than once my mama trying to stretch our food and make it go far enough I'm the oldest of seven, as you know. Um, I can remember her cooking and fixing and preparing the meals, and then whenever it'd come time to eat it, she said she wasn't hungry. Well, now I look back and I realize she probably was. But her love for us kids was greater than her hunger. I thank God for a godly mother. Thank God for mothers. Amen. Aren't you glad you have a mother? Aren't you glad she didn't want to terminate your life? Amen. Let me not get started on that today. God bless you. We love you so much. Let us read a few places here in the scripture this morning. We'll begin in Matthew chapter 18. We read this last Sunday. If you don't mind, we'll read it again today. I believe we're living in a great time to be a Christian, to be sons and daughters of God. And the very onslaught of hell against us as the people of God, our nation and the world, as far as that goes, lets us know where we are in time. And uh, we can certainly see that we're in a great, a great battle, not only for our lives and for our health, but for our nation. And we know that she's crossed the line between mercy and judgment. We're so thankful, though, that God is still dealing with individuals, one here and there and there, and them wanting to give their heart to him. Let's read together, Matthew 18, 18. Now, remember, these are not the words of a mere man. These are not the words of a theologian, a doctor, a teacher, but the words of God himself incarnate. Verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you, 
that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. 1 John 3, 21. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God, which is so important when we're praying and asking God about things, that we don't feel condemned in our heart. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. You see, friends, that's not complex. It's not deep. It's not real hard to understand. It's very, very simple if we just believe it. Notice the way John says this in the latter part of verse 22. Because we keep his commandments and we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. How many wants that today with all your heart before the Lord? Let's pray together if you would. Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads to the dust of the earth from whence we were taken and know one day, unless we're caught up in the rapture, our bodies will go back the same way. Well, we're grateful in this short journey in this span of time that we've been given called life. We also have the opportunity to be able to live for you and do things for you and your people and your kingdom, which will allow us to enter into life eternal. And Father, I pray if there's one here today who doesn't know you in that way, that you would help them, that they might be able to embrace the person of eternal life. Dear God, we're asking for every need, those that are sick and afflicted and weary, we're praying that you'd help them. Fathers, we stop by to pick up Erica's girls to come to church today, and Erica just so weak. Father, we're asking you in the name of Jesus that you'd touch her, Lord. Lance had to carry her from the bathroom, Lord, and lay her in the bed. But we rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus Christ. May you touch her body now, Father. Not only her, but everyone that has needs today. Father, we commit it to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I've been speaking to you for a few services on the bride's Bill of Rights. Taking it from the founding of our nation, I don't know how familiar you are with a lot of the governments of the world, but our nation is very unique in that it's established for the people and by the people. I've been in lots of different countries of the world in which they claim to be democratic and they claim to have a democracy, but yet what's amazing is the same man runs for president for about 40 years and gets put in every time. So that don't sound like too much democracy to me. And yet, of all the nations that are on the earth, um, those that actually have a declared Bill of Rights, it's very few. And the law to be able to stand on their side. Of course, the Bill of Rights not only declares the rights of the individuals that make up that nation, but it also sets limitations and statutes 
by which the presiding body of government can be able to prosecute or press against the citizens of that nation. So rights are for the individuals that the rights have been given to, but it also limits the prosecution and the persecution of the government of the nation that they are living in. We can see little by little that our nation slowly is losing those rights. I figure before we get ready to leave this place, we'll lose even more. But the bride's rights are just as equally important. And it's if we do have rights that are declared to us, then it's to help us to see what's ours. And it means that there's going to be an opposing force that's going to try to press against the boundary of what those rights are going to say. So in other words, if you have a right to healing, you have a right to peace, you have a right to eternal life, a right to salvation, a right to this, a right to that, then there's going to be a force that is going to press against you to keep you from getting that. You understand that? Now, I realize that myself and probably most of you understand very little about the unseen world that we confront every day. It's hard for us to imagine that in the beginning there would have been myriads, is the word, of of angels that were created and put on a stage of, may I say, probation. So they were placed on a, a position and they were given what the Bible calls an estate. So they were given an estate. Now we think of an estate, natural property. We think of whatever your idea of an estate is. Whenever I think of an estate, there's a particular uh, place that I think about. It's in, it's in Lexington, Kentucky on the east side on a place called Versailles Road. So it's the road that comes out of Lexington and goes toward Versailles, Kentucky. Very beautiful place. Lots of horse farms on that uh, place there. And there was a young, or an elder man rather, that married this young woman. And her desire was she wanted to be a modern day princess. And she wanted to marry a man that would be able to give her a castle. Well, this rich man was pretty much unlimited in his money, so he buys this uh, beautiful farm right outside of Lexington near on the Versailles Road. I've been by there many times, used to preach out in that direction. And he builds her a modern-day castle. Now, it's made out of stone similar to the one that Mr. Grindstaff built down here on the lake, except it's much bigger, much larger. She wanted a moat around this property, She wanted a gate there. She wanted all different types of things. So whatever her desire was, was what this man wanted to do. So he goes in there and he purchased this and he don't put it down in a valley, doesn't put it in an obscure place, but he purchases hundreds and hundreds of acres and he picks this ideal spot. So everybody coming toward Versailles or from Versailles, whichever direction you're going, everybody coming through there, including those flying over, going into the airport are going to see this place because he wants them to know how much he loved this woman. So he builds this absolutely breathtaking, beautiful place. But you know what? He didn't want everybody and their brother coming in there, taking pictures, tracing around all over the landscaping, barking, watching all the way up and down the driveway. So he put it a gated thing on the outside and actually got guards the last time I was there a couple years ago and actually had guards on the outside. 
So if you come up with your camera and your video and you want to pay a, put a picture of you there in front of that place on Facebook, them old boys is going to kindly, or maybe not so kindly, ask you to leave. Because this man designated this to be built for this woman that he loved. So with that is the right of ownership. Is that is the right of possession. Is that is the right. So when I think of an estate, I'm from Kentucky, of course, you know. I love the road also going to Richmond and the road going to some of the different places out there. And those of you that have been on Interstate 75 North where it breaks away from 275 and you go around the Kentucky Horse Park and you see all those beautiful fences there. One of my brother-in-laws used to work there at the Red Mile Trap and used to work at some of the horse barns. And he's told me and Carolee's sister that some of those horses live in nicer houses than a lot of people do. So I think of a state of the rolling fields and the bluegrass. And, but demons did not have such a place. But demons had a domain by which they were in a probation of partaking, if you understand me, in a realm of deity. They had given to them an allocated allotment by which God would trust them with certain things. Now, I'll be the first to admit, I don't know what they did. I don't know what they done. It seems as if though by reading in the scriptures that the earth has had several different stages by which God has used her. And we know according to the book of Genesis that the Bible says these are the generations of the heavens and the earth. So it would lead us to believe that the heavens has had generations, not just one. And that the earth has been in many forms of genos or generations. So it's hard for us to imagine how many times that the earth has been used by God. And we can see reading from uh, Genesis, of course, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the waters and God said, let there be light and there was light. But yet we contrast that with the book of Isaiah and we see that the way Isaiah declared the creation of the earth, he does not mention the void or the darkness. So it's as if though that Moses actually picks up the stage of the earth after a cataclysmic change has happened on the earth. So Moses, of course, in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and then he ends that sentence. And then he picks up again, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they are held in chronological order. Even though you'll go from verse one to verse two, it might have been thousands of years or millennia by which that verse two and verse two was apart. But it sounds as if so from Jeremiah and from Isaiah that Satan was allowed to walk upon this place which was created. And the prophet tells us in that day on Calvary 1960 that whenever Satan walked upon the earth and she was belching out volcanic ash and the, all that was coming out of the bowels of the earth that Satan walked up and down on the earth and he began to claim it as his own. 
And he said, this is mine. This is what I want. Now, this would, of course, been before Adam was ever here and what the scholars call a pre-Adamite world. So it was an existence of the stage of the earth, and it was before man, before animals. But it was allotted to created beings that were angels. Now, remember, all angels are not created in the element of time. But there are some angels that are created and they are put on this probationary period. They are given an estate that God would allow them a certain partaking of his own divine nature. But it was not something that was inherent to them. That they had it because God had trusted them with it by virtue of its nature. But it was like the word power. We have two words in the New Testament that is used for the word power. One of them is excusia and the other is dunamis. And excusia is a right or a jurisdiction that is given to someone by someone greater. So it doesn't mean that they actually have it by their own authority. But dunamis is the power, the word that we get the word dynamite from. But it is something, a power that comes within you and gives you that power by an inherent nature. Now, a policeman can have all types of authority. He can turn on that blue light. He can write you a ticket. If he's in a bad mood, he can make your day miserable. If he has power, apart from character. But what does he have? Now, if he's a state trooper, then he has to go through the state of Tennessee and they give him authority to do this and that and the other. What does he have? Excusia. He has an authority given to him by the state of Tennessee. That don't mean he has one ounce of character. But dunamis is something altogether different. It is a power that's given to you and it works with your adoption or your placing in Christ Jesus. So it's something that comes in you by the new birth and inherit nature. And then as you learn to submit to God and the more God can trust you, the more God will allow this power to be able to pour out of you to others. When God knows that he can trust you, and as long as you stay humble and small in your own eyes, then God will just keep leading you, leading you, leading you until you reach the crescendo of your life. And then God will crown you with glory and take you off the earth. But many people will have excusia, but will never have dunamis. So God knew that there would be an element of these angels. You say, why would God ever do that? Well, remember God had created this other being and God called him Daystar or he called him Lucifer. He has many names as we know him of. And God said, thou was perfect from the day that I created thee until iniquity was found in thee. He said, did not I place thee, O guarding cherub? Was it not I that gave you your position? You was in the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, the topaz, which is many of the jewels that the city of God will be built out of. Yet he said, iniquity was found in thee because from thine heart you said, I will be like the most high. That's when sin actually began. Now God knew that Satan would actually become 
He would come from the stage of being Lucifer to becoming Satan. He also knew that Satan could not create angels. So God placed a number of these angels, myriads of them, on this probationary period and God would share with them this element of his power, this element of adaptable deity by which they would be able to enter into but also leave from. I don't want that myself. People say, well, I want what Adam had. I don't. I want something greater than what Adam had. Because whatever Adam had, Adam walked away from it. What I want, I don't know about you, but what I want in my soul is something that I'll never leave and something that I'll never get away from. You follow me? Now, so these angels then, whenever they began to hear Satan's message. Now, remember the first preacher that we have record of in the scripture was the devil. Yeah, he began to preach to these angels. So he pulled these angels over onto the north side. Now remember the north side is the most spiritual aspect of heaven. It is the word that is used for flank. It is the word that when they built the tabernacle of testimony of witness in the, in the wilderness and they had the wrapping that would go around the outside and they, they built it on purpose so that it would be bigger and they would have it where it would wrap around and that word, there was the flank. So it was the wrapping of the glory of God that would come around the north side of the tabernacle. Satan set his heart on the north. You ever notice how a lot of major cities of the earth, the north side will be the one that will have the most finance, the most economical. It's, it's phenomenal when you go to looking at it. So Satan said that it was the north. He wanted the north, but God told him what he was going to get. He wants the north, and he's going to get the sides of the pit. So I don't guess it makes no difference whether the sides is north, south, east, or west. Your hide's going to get burned up anyway. So God knew that all this would happen. Now for us, it's hard to imagine how that angels that never cursed, they never lied, they never done anything wrong, but they begin to hear this master preacher. And this master preacher began to set forth, you know, his message of rebellion against the headship of God. And these angels, which are not born in sin, and they begin to, amen, as we would say. And then they begin to vote with their feet. You realize that's what people do many times. They vote with their feet. When people leave the word, they don't necessarily say, all right, we're having a vote this morning. Who wants to leave the word? Everybody raise your hand. Now, a lot of times they don't raise their hand, but they vote with their feet. They leave the word, so they voted with their feet. So the angels actually voted with their feet to rebel against God. Now once they did that, God did not strip them of their position and even the order of the divine protocol. We can see this of course in the book of Daniel. When Daniel begins to pray and you know the story that the angel come and he comes and tells him your prayer was heard from the first day and you imagine Daniel thinking well, why in the world it take you so long to get here then? But we realize and get a view into what was going on that the demon over that city where Daniel lived God had sent a, an, an angel from the presence of God, but it just so happened the angel that he sent ranked less in authority than the demon who was in charge of that city. 
So he wrestled and wrestled until, of course, the great mighty archangel was sent to be able to rescue him. And while him and the archangel began to wrestle, then this angel came on down and brought the message to Daniel. Now, whenever he tells Daniel the message and he delivers it and he says, Lo, I must go and I must fight with the prince of Persia. So a demon had already been chosen because now this kingdom and this empire is fixing to be destroyed. Remember the four great Gentile kingdoms of the world. And a demon had already been chosen to be the anointed hierarchy of the kingdom of Persia. And he's going back to fight with that. So we get an insight into how that it was. Now that window of the supernatural, it would open a little, a little bit at a time and prophets of course, which represent the eyes of God seeing, they would look in there and get a little bit of glimpse and then it's like God would shut the door back. And then another one would open up. Oh, this is one reason why I love the message of the hour so much because for the first time, we're allowed to peer into the sixth dimension, into the fifth dimension, into the seventh dimension, into the fourth dimension where diseases and all these things are. We're able to hear communication. We're able to see lights, shadows, darkness, and so on that we never had a view of before. So God had allowed his prophet to be able to break into that realm. And I love studying, not only of course the theology and the doctrinal side of the message, but I love studying prayers of the prophet and hearing how that he would challenge those demons and the things that he would actually say to them and what he would call them and what he would tell them that their destiny was. Now, I can tell you already here this morning, there's some nervous devils sitting here right now. Hallelujah. Now, you know, because of that, why would we need, why would the the bride need rights? Well, because the powers of hell is going to be released. It's like there will be a gradual releasing. Remember this day brought to us the opening of the seven seals, but it was not just the seven seals that was gonna come open, but the lid is gonna be tore off of hell. And hell is going to vomit out things that has never existed on the face of the earth before. There will be disease. There will be oppression. There will be possession. There will be such things that people never thought imaginable on the earth. Now, I'm not just talking about the tribulation period, but I'm talking about pre-tribulation anointing, which is already on the earth. How many knows in the last few years, you're fighting more than you've ever fought in your life. All hell is against it. And it's not just people that are Christians, but the whole world is going insane. That's why they have to have a pill to get up, one to make it to lunchtime, one to make it to three o'clock break time, have to have another to go to sleep by. They're, they, they're insane. They're having to have all types of things to be able to make it. What is it? The powers of darkness is pressing against the people. So there is then a great warfare that is going on. These beings which fell from their estate, they have now been allocated to come against the people of God. For those that have received the seal of the Holy Ghost, the devil can never get your soul again. But he can oppress you. He can afflict your body. He can afflict your mind. He can make you feel weary, sad, 
a failure. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Does that affect us as human beings? Of course it does. But yet God wanted us more than any other age. And I've read, of course, the writings of Paul, looked at the writings of Luther, read some of the writings of Wesley, some of the writings of Whitfield, some of the writings of these men. I have found none of them that actually so God used in such a pronounced way to help the bride to recognize her position as he did this humble, little, simple man from Kentucky. Now, was it because he was an educated man? No, it was not. It was because God chose him for such a purpose and for such a time as this in order to declare to us our rights and what they are. So if we have this much of a declaration of our rights, I don't think God repeats himself for no valuable reason. Jesus would say it over and over again, verily, 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 verily. Now, according to the Aramaic, which Jesus would have spoke Aramaic and part Greek, you would not have to have that verily, verily, because one verily and the rendering from the Aramaic language would have been enough to let this know this is an important statement that I'm going to say to you. But Jesus would double it and say, verily, verily, listen, listen, take heed, take heed. So if he says, verily, verily, we better listen, better listen. And if he says, verily, 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 we better, better listen, better listen, better listen. Because it is for our good. And everybody said, So let us, if you don't mind this morning, let us look at a few things now that we can become a little bit more aware. Now watch, let's allow the prophet to tell us some of our rights. Now here he is sitting here to make intercessions on my confession, talking about the Lord Jesus. And I have a right to confess that he's done anything for me that's in the redemptive blessings, there you are. What was the redemptive blessing? He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes were healed. Is that right? That's every believer's possession that's mine. So everything Jesus died for is yours. So will the devil just go back and sit in a corner and say, well, go ahead and take it then. I guess I might as well just let you have it. Oh, no. He will try his best to bluff you. He will try his best. Now remember, there's only one legal right that Satan ever has against a believer. Only one. But he will try to convince you that he has many, many rights. But Satan is a professional poker player. Okay, now just take my word for it. I've never played cards in my life. So I don't know anything about poker, anything about that sort of thing. But I did want to look up the word because I found that the prophet used it so many times. And it was a word that Satan was a bluff. Well, I wanted to look that up and I thought I knew pretty well what it meant. But I wanted to be sure. And I found that they tied this to playing poker. And I read a little bit about it to be able to understand. So and it would be like that there's several people sitting around and the stakes are high. And they're, you know, the, this guy wants to win and that guy, of course, hopefully none of these brothers I'm poker, pointing at play poker. But they're all sitting at the table and nobody knows what anybody else has. Nobody knows what your cards are. 
So it's the man who can have what they call the poker face or the bluff and he will sit there and bluff you. Now you may have a better hand than he does. You may actually have the winning hand. But his face is not giving away that he's sitting there with Monopoly cards. He's sitting right there and all he's got in his pocket is Monopoly money. Now he's hoping that you are not going to pull and really make him show that. But if he can sit there and never twitch. Now remember, I had a friend years and years ago in West Virginia, lived around the board of Kentucky there in West Virginia. He was a professional gambler, a man that had a heart toward the Lord. I prayed for him many, many times. He would go out west. He would do it one time a year. He would dye, he would dye his hair. He would change his looks totally because he was a professional card shark. People was looking for him all over the world because he was so good and they were never able to catch him. He would go one time a year, spend a couple of weeks and live like a millionaire the rest of the year. But yeah, he was all the way that he did it. So he learned how to hide his cards and he learned how to have that face. And that's the way the devil does us many times. He's sitting there with monopoly money and he's sitting there with cards that ain't a bit more valuable than nothing and you're sitting there with all these rights in your hand and he looks at you and he don't crack a smile. But he watches your demeanor and he watches you when your lip goes to quivering a little bit and your eye will go to jerking and he knows he's got you because it's a sign of weakness and he keeps telling you it won't happen to you. God won't do it. Oh yeah, he's a healer but he ain't gonna heal you and you'll sit there and he'll tell you over and over again and he'll project that devil poker face. Oh, I feel like smacking that face, don't you? He'll project that look. Oh my And you will sit there and sit there and the longer he sits, the more you're jerking and the more you're quivering. He's done got you whipped. And yet you are sitting there with the winning hand, oh my, that it's already yours, it's already mine if we will stand there on the promise of God. Notice he goes on to say, you have a right tonight to enjoy the full blessing of all the apostles had. This word of life, church, believe that. You have a right. This is your bill of rights to enjoy the full blessing of all that the apostles had. I don't want just the name that we're an apostolic church. I've got the right as a son of God, if I am a true minister called of God, I've got the same right to the full gospel that Peter had. Peter ain't got no more right to the gospel than every God-called man sitting in this building right here today. And the church said, "Uh uh-oh, some of y'all's eyes twitching. Notice again, every born again man is circumcised by the Holy Ghost. You have a right for every redemptive blessing. Let the devil rob you out of none of it. And the church said, notice again, claim your legal rights. Don't let Satan press you on anything. You're of God. You're of God and he's got no rights to hold it. Now you see, these demons, they know how to bluff because they work for the king of bluffers. So he bluffed Adam. He bluffed Eve. 
He's bluffed right on down through time. And he's bluffed me. And he's bluffed you. I'm going to go ahead and say it for you. He's bluffed us many a time and robbed us out of the blessing of God. And he was sitting there with his monopoly money. And when actually God was telling him, get back down to Hades, you devil. You know, when that little thing on the monopoly things and says, go back home. Well, that's what we're telling the devil. Get on back down to hell, devil. You don't belong in my body. You don't belong in my home. You don't belong in our church. You don't belong in my daughter. You don't belong in my husband. You don't belong in my wife. Get back down to hell. I am a daughter of God. I am a son of God. It is my rights. Notice again, he said, if you're Christians and you have a right, a legal right, for everything Christ died for. It's your possession, you own it, it's yours. Now the only thing you have to do is like Abraham, after he endured a fight, he obtained the promise. Satan don't just let you take it easy, you've got to have faith, you've got to believe it, and you've got to endure. How many knows that's the hardest part? Oh, we can believe it initially, yes sir, with all my heart I believe it, praise the Lord, is it coming by noon? Is it becoming none? Oh my goodness, it's already 12 minutes afternoon already. And we're already late. Well, if it don't come by three o'clock, I guess it ain't gonna happen. Yes, a real believer says, well, if it don't happen today, it'll be a bigger miracle tomorrow. And if it don't happen tomorrow, it'll be a bigger miracle on Tuesday or Wednesday. But I know one thing, I am a believer and I'm expecting my God to move. That's right. Now, let me bring this to you also on the restoration of the bride tree. That the prophet had went to the Sunday morning service there, it's an Easter service in 1962, and Brother Neville had preached. And unlike a lot of the message people that don't think they need to sit under preachers, Brother Branham had went there that morning and heard Brother Neville preach. And Brother Neville had preached an outstanding sermon. But Brother Neville closed out his thoughts with these words, something about restore. Well, Brother Branham went home. Now, it was a daylight service or a sunrise service. And then they come back in a couple of hours and Brother Branham preaches this message, restoration of the bride tree. I love it because he was not ashamed to say that he got the inspiration hearing Brother Neville preach. Well, come on now. That's a real man right there. Now watch, he said, Webster says the word restore means to bring it back to the original, to the former owner, and to bring it back to a former state of condition. And if a claim is made on something to make the restoration, you can enforce it. You can enforce it to make it come back to its right place. And may God bless the feeble words. Now he announces his text and what he's going to preach. And he starts it out this way with this twofold aspect of it, restoration and enforcing. Now I don't mind telling you there's times that I need the enforcer to help enforce my claim. Now watch, to restore is to bring back to who really owns it. To restore is to bring it back to who really owns it or to bring it back to its natural estate where it was at the first time. To bring it back to its natural condition. In order to do this, we have to have a right to enforce. Here's another one of your rights. So you ain't just got a right to claim it, but you've got a right as a child of God to call on the presence of the Holy Ghost to enforce that claim. Not ask the devil to leave, but make him leave. Well, praise the Lord. My, my. Notice this. He says, 
then when we are, we have the privilege to enforce upon Satan the claims that God give us. For God has a law and his word is that law. And God in this word will make certain claims to the church. Therefore, we have a right to force these claims upon Satan. Now, I wonder how many of us here this morning, beginning with me, really sees this. Or do we not take the back seat to the devil? He pushes us around. He tells us what we can and cannot do. He tells us how we're going to do in church. He tells you, now you ain't going to get in because I ain't going to let you. I'm going to make you sad in church. I'm going to make your mind go here and there and there. You're going to be thinking about them sweet rolls over at the steakhouse. And you're going to be sitting right there with that sweet potato of yours. And oh my, that cinnamon butter. And it's just, oh, somebody's fixing to leave right now, ain't you? You're going to order that top cut sirloin and you're going to order it this way. You ain't going to get nothing from church. You need to smack that devil in the mouth and say, get out of here. You ain't the enforcer. I am. You ain't telling me what I'm going to get from church. I'm going to tell you I'm getting a blessing. I'm getting healing. I'm getting what I need from God. I need a touch today. And I'm going to get it today. Therefore, we have a right to force these claims upon Satan and give it back. Listen to these words. And he has to do it. Because we can take God's agent, the Holy Spirit, go right down on our knees and say, it's thus saith the Lord. He's got to give it up. That's all. Because the Holy Spirit's there to make him do it. Now, don't get in your mind that you can and I can. There's no way that we can do this on our own. But the Holy Ghost has partnership himself with us. And the Holy Ghost is wanting us to make the claim and then claim it in the name of Jesus and stand upon that claim and then the Holy Ghost will kick the devil out of your property. Praise be to God. Notice this, the law of the Spirit of God is to force Satan to give up that which he has unrightfully, deceitfully taken from God. Souls of men he took from God. Souls of women, children, sickness of the body. He placed upon people where God made them in his image to be like him. And the church is given the rightful, legal rights by the Bible to take the Holy Spirit and enforce this upon them. If Satan has robbed you of the privilege of being a son or daughter of God, we have a right this morning by the Holy Spirit to enforce the claim of God, bring them back. If the devil is trying to assert authority in your home, pull your husband, your wife, your children away from serving God, you need to stand your ground and make her claim Satan in the name of Jesus. You have no right to claim my husband. You have no right to claim my daughter. You're claiming them, but I'm claiming them in the name of Jesus. And the Holy Ghost is going to enforce my claim. Oh, glory to God. Notice, jump down in that quote a little bit. Now that this, that's the enforcement. Restore it, bring it back to its original condition. A man's sick, a baby's sick, a woman's sick, 
they're out of their natural condition, then we have a right to enforce our claim. Not our claim, it's our claim because God gave it to us by his stripes were healed. He was wounded for our transgressions with his stripes were healed. Now we have a right to enforce that law. And the lawgiver, the Holy Spirit himself is here. The agent of God to see it's done that way. Amen. Now the only way he can work is when you let him work and you've got to believe it. But are we afraid? Are we afraid it won't happen? We're afraid. Well, I've seen so many people mess up. I have too. That ain't going to stop me. That ain't got nothing to do with me. Well, Brother Donnie, I've seen all kinds of people make claims. I have too. But if they're between me and God, that means they're closer to God than I am. They're standing in my way. Let me move around the scarecrow and keep eating butter beans. Now, what rights do we have then? Watch the prophet again. The devil's nothing but a scarecrow. Now, I'm ugly enough to pass for one, so I'll put my arms out. Now, what's a scarecrow for? To keep crows away from something they want to eat. Now, in this case, I could understand how a scarecrow would scare crows. I don't understand how scarecrows scare eagles. Since eagles should have their eyesight not upon the crow, but upon the cross. I'm not looking at the crow today. I'm not looking at a doctor's report today. I'm not looking at how you feel, how I feel. I'm not just looking at the condition of the earth. I'm looking at the promise of my God. Let that scarecrow stand out there and say, ooh, you're not gonna get it. I'm gonna knock him down when I get under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and say, out of my way, big boy. I don't cash monopoly money in my store. I'm not taking your monopoly promises. I'm not taking your monopoly money. I have got real silver of redemption by the blood of the lamb. Now watch, the devil's nothing but a scarecrow. He just scares you into something. He has no legal rights at all. So we have all the rights and he has none? Well, I don't understand. Why does it seem like he's the victorious one over us so much of the time? When he has no legal rights at all. He has no legal rights at all. He was stripped of every right of principalities. He spoiled everything when he died at Calvary. Here he is coming down now. Satan hasn't got any legal rights at all over a Christian. Do we believe this? Some of you. The rest of you is thinking about it. Satan has got any legal rights at all over a Christian, every time a man gets saved, God just writes out a whole big bunch of checks like that and puts his name at the bottom. Said, here you are, fill them out. Are you scared of it? Fill it out. Whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive it, it'll be given to you. Is that right? Notice again he said, he's absolutely legally defeated. In every place. The devil hasn't got one legal right at all nowhere. 
But you know what? As I study this, I realize he don't have to have a legal right. All he's got to do is hold his cards up in front of you and sit there and look at you with that poker face. You're afraid, aren't you? You're scared. You've never been this way before, have you? I can see it in your face. I can see it in your eyes, you say. You're scared. You didn't realize this would ever happen to you. You thought you were above such things. You are feeling shaken. You are feeling torn up. You. And he's sitting there watching you to see if your left eye You know, some people just got that twitch about them when they get nervous. And you can tell when they're getting more nervous, the more they're twitching. <laughs> and there he's sitting with his Monopoly card. Go to jail, which is his card. But his says, going to hell. That's on every one of his cards. I'm going to hell. I am lost. I'm going to be separated. I'll never have eternal life. I'm going to perish. I'm going to burn up. That's what all his cards say. Can you imagine he's sitting there because the Lord Jesus is the one that had him turn. That's all of his cards. I'm lost. There's no hope for me. There's no peace at all. I'll have been in eternal separation. I'm lost. I'm totally out of reconciliation from God. He sits there and holds that hand and sitting smiles at you like you ain't got nothing. Looking right there when he sees it and he sees my destiny is eternal separation from God. Playing with a loser's hand. Looking at you. One of the greatest winners that's ever been on the face of the earth. And you're sitting there shaking and quivering. I hope I can make it to the end of the service. I'm hoping I can make it to the end of the service without dancing everywhere. So I'm hoping I can. Brother Donnie, do you feel it? No, but every now and then I just like to dance to let the devil know whose side I'm on. I like to praise the Lord. I like to get a little bit of emotion. Just let the Lord, I, let the Lord know I love Him. Let the Lord know that I appreciate Him. I like to shout with a voice of triumph. I like to clap my hands. David danced before the Lord with all of his might. Sometimes Donnie likes to dance before the Lord with all of his might because I want the devil to know I am a winner. I am victorious in Christ Jesus. He's absolutely legally defeated in every place. The devil hasn't got one legal right at all. Nowhere. I want you to listen to how he says this. He's just a devil. Now that's the way you all say it, right? It's just the devil. We're saying, it's the devil. You're not saying what he said. Let me tell you what the devil is. A password. The devil hasn't got one legal right at all. No worries, just the devil. And a password. And passwords get hacked all the time. So I think it's time we go to hacking. <laughs> 
I think it's time to go to hacking on this password and say, we've got your number, devil. We've got a word for you. We've got a word for you, devil. We are more than conquerors. He hasn't got no legal right to any man that'll accept the promise of Jesus Christ. He's whipped. He's whipped in sickness. He's whipped in disappointments. He's whipped in everything. He's whipped in death. He can't scare me. He can't scare you. He's a big old shadow. Now let's watch a little one-on-one confrontation, shall we? I lay my hands upon her. I condemn this enemy. Made it go out of her in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come out of her, Satan, for God's glory, for the fulfilling of the word of the Lord Jesus, which cannot fail. You are defeated. You have no legal right. Jesus Christ robbed you. I just think that is so great. The biggest robber that's ever been got robbed. Well, you know the Lord Jesus ain't gonna take nothing from the devil that belongs to the devil. So, oh, glory to God, what's he robbing the devil of what belonged to Jesus Christ? You see, the devil took you, but you don't belong to him. So what'd he do? He took you away from the devil. The earth don't belong to him. Jesus Christ is going to take the earth away from the devil like he took the woman at the well away from the devil. He robbed Satan. Oh, glory. You have no legal right to hold her anymore. So leave her. In the name of the one who died for her. Even our Lord Jesus. Listen to this. No matter how much you scream, how loud you scream, how much you pray, that devil's got a legal right to stay there. He will stay. Now listen. Here's the only right Satan can have as a believer. That a Christian has unconfessed sin. Or something they should have done that they didn't do. Or they haven't made something right. That's the only claim that he has. He's got a right to stay there, not only that, but if you're supposed to have done something and didn't do it, he has a legal right of disobedience. So there's what it is. So you're combing that person and you find out just where the cause is. Me and Erica sat the other day on the porch and she said, Daddy, I'm just wondering, have I done something wrong? Have I done something wrong while this has come on me? I said, honey, is your daddy, you know I love you, don't you? She said, yes. I said, if you come to me and said, Daddy, have I hurt you somewhat? Have I offended you? You think I'd be honest with you? She said, I know you would. And I said, you've went to Father and asked him? Yes. And I said, what'd he say? She said, he didn't show me nothing. I said, then you need to take that 
as a voice of innocence, a voice of no condemnation, a voice of no guilt. Oh, you say, but he didn't say anything. I take his silence as no's. Because <laughs> if he loves me, and I believe he does, and I believe he loves you, then if I'm sincere and I'm asking him, Father, have I done something? Show me and I'll make it right. If he don't tell you nothing, then you take that reply as a command and you go right back to the table and look across at that liar and say, to hell you go. To hell I go. To hell you go. To deliverance I go. You are a liar. My heart does not condemn me. Therefore, he hears me when I pray. Oh, glory to God. Notice what he said. Faith will move, but not when he's got a legal right. Now listen to this. Satan knows what his right is and what he hasn't got a right to do. Now all these quotes that some of y'all are hearing for your first time, he heard them back there in 54, 53, 52, 50, 51. He's been aware of this for all these years. We're just now catching up to what he knows. He's known this the whole time. He was hoping and praying y'all wouldn't find it out. Guess what, devil? Today is your day to be exposed. I am here to expose your hide. I am here to let them know you are a liar. You are a bluff. You ain't got no right on us. You ain't got no claim on us. We are God's children. Watch again a personal conflict. Satan, you have no rights to say anymore. <laughs> wow. You have no rights to say anymore. You are exposed right here from this platform. Your legal rights are gone. Your day is finished and the church of the living God is moving up into realms of faith and you know that you are defeated and have been. You're only a bluff. You bluff the people long enough. As the church of the living God, we take charge over thee by the commandment of our Lord Jesus Christ and I as his servant along with the church adjure thee by the living God and his son Jesus that you come out of every person here now. Go out of them. You are defeated and lost the battle in Jesus Christ's name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Satan don't have one right of nothing. He's only a bluff. He was stripped of everything. He had at Calvary when Jesus Christ taken the sinner's place and died at Calvary. Satan has no more legal rights over nothing. No more. Hallelujah. But everything lays in the hands of the church and the believer. That's it. Satan's lost. He's nothing but a bluff. Now listen what the meaning of calling someone's bluff is. To uncover a deception or challenge someone to carry out 
a threat or prove a dubious point. Now this is what it is to call someone's bluff, to uncover a deception, which is what I've been doing now for the last however long it's been, or challenge someone to carry out a threat or prove a dubious point. Also it means to challenge someone's statement or threat because it is not believed. Anybody with me now? So here this morning, I am calling the devil's bluff. Why? Because I don't believe his statement. I'm calling his bluff that there won't be a bride. I say there will. I'm calling his bluff that he's gonna defeat us. I say he won't. Why? I don't doubt, I don't believe his claim. And I know he's got monopoly money. And I know his cards he's holding in his hand is telling him he's gonna be lost, he's gonna be destroyed, and I know what I'm holding my hand is, by grace I'm saved forevermore. And when there is no more devil, you will forever be. When there is no more cancer, when there is no more sickness, when there is no more trouble, you will be as eternal as God is eternal. How many likes a good duel? Anybody? Anybody like a good duel? Now, Satan, this duel of faith, you claim her, and I claim her for Jesus. So here's a duel. The devil is claiming this sick, afflicted woman. The prophet of God is standing there said, now you claim her, and I'm claiming her. claim you have no power over her. I claim you have no power over nothing. Jesus Christ, my Lord, stripped and robbed you of everything you had, hallelujah, and every legal rights at Calvary. Well, I say amen and I claim the same thing. I stand here as his representative and you know all about this gift. You know about where he ministered and how he did it? I charge thee by the living God. You come out of the woman, leave her. In Jesus Christ's name, this woman is blind. Every head bowed, let me see your eyes. Now he's speaking to the woman that he's made the duel to the devil. So the devil has claimed her. She's blind, she can't see. Now he said, let me see your eyes, I will call you if something happens. Now just raise your head. Can you see me? Put your hands on my nose. Then the prophet tells the congregation, open your eyes, the woman can see. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Cannot that same Lord Jesus go to my little girl today? Cannot that same Lord Jesus, Brother Mark, Sister Teresa, go to your little boy today? Cannot that same Lord Jesus go to your home? Can he go to your son, your daughter, your husband, your wife? We have rights as the people of God. The woman can see. Now, as I've said, for those who want to challenge this message and this messenger, you do what he done, then come talk to me. We'll sit down and listen to you. But until you do, we will continue with what we believe to be the truth. Jesus Christ stripped him of the authority that he had. He hasn't got one legal right. He hasn't got one legal thing of the full penalty of sin and sickness to pay for at Calvary and way of the attributes of everything Jesus died for. And he knows This is what's so sad, Brother Fred. He knows he's defeated. But he knows you don't know it. He's holding the losing hand. And he knows he has not one right, not one legal right over you. If everything is right between you and God. He knows all the promises are yours. He knows there's nothing that can hinder your prayers when you pray if you believe. But he also knows if you don't know all of the above, he can treat you like a stepchild. He can treat you like you're a second Christ citizen of heaven when he has nothing in his hand but empty. I don't mind telling you that makes me mad. I ain't mad at you all, but I am mad at the devil. And I have to say, I do get mad at me sometimes. Well, y'all ought to just go ahead and say it. You get mad at yourself or you need to. Notice this. Hear your hymn. We'll close here momentarily. Oh, God, what an evil thing Satan is. He binds the helpless. He comes in by force, puts the children of God into corners. But tonight, he's exposed. We realize he's just a bluff. He has no legal rights. Christ stripped him of everything he had at Calvary. Everything, even fear. Everything was paid for at Calvary. And Satan, you don't have any legal right over God's children. They're God's heritage. You can't hold them any longer. Come out of here. I adjure thee. By Jesus Christ. What's this oneness of unity? I now challenge the devil to a debate. Now, you're either nuts or you know where you're standing. I've had all these people that follow the believe the sign and they wanted to challenge me to abate, debate, argue about this and they'll fly me here and they'll come down here and fly that. And I say, why in the world should I take time to deal with some debate with some knucklehead like that when I've, I've got more important people to debate with? 
I mean, I'm debating with the devil every day. My goodness, why in the world would I want to take time to deal with some little insignificant nothing? Can you imagine a prophet of God standing there and say, not I'm answering the devil's challenge, but I want you to know, devil, I'm challenging you. Brother Donnie, you're scaring me. You're scaring me. Where are you going with this? I'll tell you where I'm going with this. Out of this world. Out of this world. (laughs) I challenge the devil to a debate. Satan, you're aware that you are whipped. You have no legal rights. Jesus Christ, my Lord, stripped you of every authority you had when he died at Calvary to take away sin and sickness and you're nothing but a bluff and we're calling your bluff. You know that when our Lord came to the tree, he cursed the tree. Now listen how he's talking to the devil. He cursed the tree the next day it was withered. Our Lord said to his disciples, have faith in God. For if you'll say to this mountain, be not moved to doubt in your heart, you can believe what you had is coming to pass. Coming to pass. Coming to pass. Don't you understand that's why we miss it? When the promise is coming to pass, we're doubting it because it hasn't come to pass. Sometimes God's promises come to pass immediately. Sometimes they're coming to pass day by day, hour by hour, and we lose the victory because it didn't happen just like that. I just taught this people that God is in them. And if God is in them, they can speak to that disease and say, be away. Be away from me. And don't doubt in their heart. Right then, that disease has to move. For Christ said so. For it's not them that speaks. It's the Father that dwells in them. It's the Father that's speaking. They're in need, so come out. Come out. In the name of Jesus Christ. And no, friends, I'm not just reading quotes. I'm speaking to demons this morning. I'm not just reading something that I think sounds nice. I'm repeating the words of a vindicated prophet. And as I'm reading them, I'm speaking to them spirits. As I'm speaking to you to tell you, show your hand. And let him know, you know, he has no claim. I challenge the devil in Jesus' name. He cannot defy the word of God, for the word of God has deceived you, Satan. Ain't that rich? And you are stripped of all the rights you ever had. When Jesus died at Calvary, 
He gave us the keys to the kingdom and you have no legal right in our bodies. Any longer we adjure thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Leave every sick person here. Every crippled person, every blind person, every deaf person. Oh, and you imagine when the prophet stood up there, this quote in oneness of unity, and he says, I challenged the devil to a debate. This meeting had been one of the hardest meetings he'd ever had. Waterloo, Iowa, 1958. The people sat on him. They doubted, they questioned. They had all kinds of things. Atri makes this challenge, and he prays for the people. The lame go to getting up. The blind start seeing, and all of a sudden you can hear it on the tape, and here comes a mighty roar, and it goes like a mighty rushing wind. And he said, did you hear that? Did you hear that? And you can hear the people as they are reacting. He said, that was the voice of God reacting back in the building. He turns around and he asks the minister, did y'all hear that? And you can hear them responding, yes. Oh, glory to God. The man of God challenged the devil and the Holy Ghost showed up to accept the challenge. Oh, glory. 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 Remember when the demon act man, the man that was possessed of the demons, the prophet tells us in 1956, the head, the chief of that tribe of demons. You see, demons still have their hierarchy. And apparently the chief, and this man was in pretty good communication. What a terrible identification to be. The chief of that tribe of demons made a challenge. And the prophet said, the Holy Ghost accepted his challenge. And the man come up across the platform, you remember the story? And he said, I'll break every bone of your body. And he said, the love of God just come around him. And he said, Satan in the name of Jesus come out of him. And the man starts spinning around and around and falls across Brother Branham's feet. Policeman comes to get him, take him off and he said, is the man delivered? He said, the man worships that spirit. And about that time, Someone in the back, blind, stood up with their eyesight. Cripple, lame, halt. Why? The Holy Ghost accepted the challenge. But let me tell you something, there's gotta be a challenge first for the Holy Ghost to accept it. It depends on how you look at your battles. Oh my, depends on how you look at what you're going through. It could be the Lord setting you up for the seventh day. It could be the Lord setting you up for the final march around the walls of Jericho that the Holy Ghost is going to accept the challenge of a cancer devil that says, I'll kill you, I'll take your life. A blood pressure devil, I'll do this and that and the other. And the Holy Ghost says, come on child, come on. Call me on the scene. Let me accept your challenge for you. Let's stand. Let me read you this one. Grand Prairie, Alberta. It is I. Satan, we have a word for you. And we want to tell you that you've deceived the people as long as you're going to. 
you have no legal right to hold them. Jesus Christ took every right you had when he rose from the dead, triumphed over you, and you're nothing but a bluff. And he's here tonight to call your bluff and expose you and tell you who you are. Dawson Creek, therefore, Satan, you are a defeated being. You have no legal right to begin with to torment these people. You're a bluff, and we're calling that bluff. So look him in the eye without your eye twitching, without your other lip, upper lip going into that little convulsion that it gets into sometimes and you get all scared and tore up and tell him, I don't know the hand you're holding, old boy. You're lost. There's no hope for you. You can't be saved. You can't be filled with the Holy Ghost. I've got something you'll never have. The devil can out-preach me. He can out-sing me. He can out-shout me. He can out-quote the word to me, but there's a lot of things I can do that he can't do. And one of the main things is I can live right. I'm a son of God. I have the Holy Ghost and he'll never get it. Oh, glory to God. Yeah, he repented in Judas. He repented in Elphus. He, he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's what the prophet tells us. When Elvis Presley got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the devil got it. Oh, you're not familiar with that, huh? Yeah, when Elvis got the Holy Ghost, the devil got it. You say, Brother Donnie, that confuses me. It shouldn't. The baptism of the Holy Ghost don't mean you're saved. That's your spirit. You see me just baptize her sister up here in water the other day. I put my hand over her mouth and over her nose. Why? Keep water from going in. But did she get baptized? People's spirit can be baptized into the spirit and that soul is black as pitch. But my brother, sister, we ain't got just a baptism today. We got a seal of the living God. Amen, amen. Let the devil shout. Let him run. Let him jump. Let him do what he wants to do. Hallelujah. But show your hands today. What do you hold? Nothing in my hands I bring simply to thy cross. I claim, Lord God. Hallelujah. I may like to be remembered today. Oh, praise the Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to be so enlightened to that world. I don't like that world, Lord. I haven't dealt with them near as much as many, but what little bit I have and what demons I've seen and what demonic warfare that I've experienced, I don't care a thing about it. And at the same time, the angels of God that I've seen before, and they leave you paralyzed and numb. Your lips go numb. Your body's numb all over. I'm not made to take that long, Lord. Oh, but Jesus, I'm just so glad that you give it to us on the ability that we're called to handle it. Maybe some of these things they heard today, they're pondering, they're wondering. But Lord, may they break it down just in such simplicity. The bottom line is this, they are more than conquerors. And Satan is here to challenge them, to make a claim. Satan's claimed them for his kingdom, but as a pastor, I claim them for heaven. Satan would like to claim our young men He'd like to get them caught up in pornography. He'd like to get our young ladies caught up in this and that and the other. He claims them. 
But as a shepherd, God called man. I claim him for the kingdom of God. I believe one day when I walk before you, Lord God, some of these sheep is gonna stand there with me. We're gonna be reckoned under the seventh angel of this day. I wanna present them to you, Lord. I'll fight for them, I'll preach for them, I'll study for them, I'll pray for them. I'll fight to my last breath. And I'll challenge Satan every time he comes against them. I'll counsel them, I'll do anything I can do, Lord, to claim them for the kingdom of God. I will not give them up. Lord God, if I die in the pulpit, so be it. Lord God, let me get my last breath standing for the people of God. I've done it for decades of my life. I give you my teens, my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, my 50s, and now up into my 60s. Let me give the rest of my life to you, Lord God. Let me fight for your sheep. Sickness comes against them. Lord, I, I, I don't like demons. I don't like having to deal with them. I've seen them before, Lord, and they scare me as a man. I've seen them, Lord, in vehicles. I've heard their voice. I've seen them as they approach me. But Lord God, I'll face them again if I have to stand between them and your sheep. And I'll take this little sling in my hand and I'll load it up with the Holy Ghost rock. Hallelujah. And I'll, I will meet the challenge of that demon power. Oh, glory to God. Father, in the name of Jesus, may every sick devil leave this audience today. May every lust devil leave this audience. In the name of Jesus, may every oppression May ever depression of Satan. Satan, in the name of Jesus, you're exposed today. We are not afraid of you. Maybe some of them are, but I can speak for myself right now and say to you, I am not afraid of you. You have been defeated. To meet you on my own, I would never do such, but I am not called to meet you on my own. Ah, there's more with me than they are with you. Hallelujah, believers. We meet you today in the challenge of faith and we say to you, we've done seen your hand and you are defeated. You lost this game, Satan. Hallelujah. Your poker face don't mean nothing to us. You may sit there and not crack a smile. We're the ones smiling this morning. We're smiling over and looking at you and say, you are a defeated being. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I've got two quotes laying right here before me this morning, devil, where God's prophet said that a person could be so completely surrendered to God that the devil don't even know what to do with him. He didn't say a preacher. He didn't say a prophet. He didn't say the fivefold ministry. He said a person. I believe that's a young man, a young woman, a mother, a father, a grandmother, a grandfather, and that's what you don't want us to know, ain't it? But we've exposed your hide this morning, Satan. You are powerless. You are a bluff. You are defeated. Come out of this people in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We worship you, Lord. You demons out of hell that have robbed some of these people of being sons of God, try to satisfy them with church membership in the name of Jesus. Take your hands off of them. Bind them with fear because of family strains. Tell them they'll ne never get delivered of this and that. I adjure you in the name of the living God. Take your hands off of them. 
Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. And the church said, Carolyn, I was talking yesterday. She said, Donnie, didn't you say when you prayed for that man in Kentucky years ago, she said, you remembered at that tent meeting that cancer had eaten through his skull and his head was like a marshmallow. She said, didn't you say that's what happened? I said, yes, Carol wasn't there. His sister come in the prayer line. I was over in Whitesburg, Kentucky. He was in the hospital and they'd only give him just a few hours. She left the hospital and come straight to the meeting. I was a Pentecostal preacher. If the anointing under Pentecost would do that, what will the bride anointing do? She'd come up in the prayer line and ask for my handkerchief. She said his skull was rotten and gone. His head was soft like a marshmallow. The cancer was in his brain, into his skull. All in, there, there's no way for him to live. You've heard me tell it before. She took the handkerchief back to the hospital room. The next morning, the man walked out of the hospital and checked himself out with a new skull, a new brain. Hallelujah! If God can create a new skull and a new brain, what is three spots on the brain of my daughter? What is the battle you're facing? What's the thing that you're looking at today? It ain't nothing. As our brother Jeremy sang it a while ago, it ain't nothing but a giant in front of you. But brother, sister, it depends on how you look at them giants. The way I look at them, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Can you imagine David's brothers as they looked at her and said, goodness gracious, look at that man. Them eyes, you know, his head the size of a washtub, big eyeballs about that big around, a spear about 20 foot long, all fully clothed with his armor, weighed just shy of a thousand pounds. And you imagine little David looking at him and say, woo, can't wait to get a hold of that neck. My goodness, a target that big, how in the world could you miss it? It depends on how you're looking at it. Well, Brother Donnie, how are you looking at it? I'm looking at it that the bride is the most victorious body, the most victorious move that's ever been on the face of the earth. Nothing's gonna stop her, she's undefeatable. Satan, out of our way. There's nothing you're gonna do. There's nothing you've got power to do. You have no power over us. We are the people of God. You're blind, you're a liar, devil. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The thing of it was the Lord Jesus marched behind the devil and looked over his shoulder and saw his hand. And he whispered to me yesterday and day before, He's got this card, and he's got that card, and he's got that card. When you go to church Sunday, tell them. So the Lord done spotted the cards, and he inspired me to tell you, you're already won the game. Amen. But that was got a losing hand, Brother Larry. There ain't no way for you to lose unless you just become weary and back off. We're not backing off, devil. We're not giving up. Sing something, Harry. 
How many has a need from the Lord that you need the Lord to help you with today? Thank you, Lord. The prophet said, Jesus said it constantly. Fear not. Fear not. Constantly he told you. Why? Because he said the greatest thing that Satan can put on us is fear. Fear itself. Fear that you won't be well. Fear that you won't make it. Fear this, fear that. Maybe that's your greatest thing today. Lord, deliver me of this fear. Brother Donnie, you ever fight it? Every day of my life. He'll hit me when I'm weary. I don't mind telling you, friend, this last year has been the entire worst year of my life. I have never been through such a year. Never. I've never been so attacked in so many ways. Ways of discouragement, brokenheartedness, just one thing after another after another. But I've never had any more victory than I had this morning. How many can say, I know what you're talking about, Brother Donnie. It's been a bad year for me too. How many knows? Some more of you? Oh, yeah. Some of you, the last couple of years, the Lord take your husband, the Lord take this, and you think, Lord, I don't understand what have I done. Maybe some of you would say, it's been the worst year of my life. But look at where you are today. You're not out there with a hangover. You're not in a honky-tonk running up and down. Where are you? In the house of God. Sitting here to hear, let God equip you further when you walk outside these doors that you know I'm ready to meet the challenge of the hour. Brother John, would you come and pray for the people? Would you mind just laying your hands over on one another? We're going to have Brother John to pray for you. Oh, Lord Jesus. Lord God. How we love you, Lord. Jesus, we, we need thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus. Lord we Jesus, you, you put us in this place, Father. Lord. You've given us, Lord Jesus, oh, your word, God, Father. Oh, Lord Father Jesus, you've out. given us everything that we have need of, Lord. Yes. And Lord Jesus, I pray that we you would help us to Jesus. look past, Father God, all the scarecrows and all the things that the devil has told us, Lord. But we're looking to the author and the finisher of our faith. We're looking to the price that was paid, Lord Jesus. It's not that we're going to be healed, Lord. The price is already paid, Lord Jesus. Help us to look past, Lord Jesus, what we're fighting, what we're going through, Lord. Oh, Lord Jesus, the, the hurt and the pain and the symptoms, Lord Jesus. Those are, those are just cards in the devil's hands. We're looking past those cards, Lord. And, and we're looking to the promise, Lord Jesus. There's nothing like you, Lord Jesus. How we can praise you, Lord Jesus. How we can thank you, Father God, for a completed work, Lord Jesus. Lord, we're not not looking at the things that the devil's telling us, Lord. Oh, but Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we believe, Father God, that you're here right now. Oh, Lord Jesus, you're casting out all the fear, all the doubt, Lord Jesus. We're praying for the people, Lord Jesus. Just move in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, we believe you, Father. We thank you for it, Lord. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We thank you, Lord Jesus. How we praise you, Father. Amen. Thank you, buddy. Praise the Lord. And the church said, Hallelujah, hallelujah. We believe your word, Father. We believe your word. Let's just sing a little bit of worship before we go, can we?
Oh, praise the Lord. Let's go yes, ahead and take this sword and go ahead and cut the devils off before we go for lunch. This would be a good way to end the service, don't you think so? Let's just begin to worship him and praise him. Victory's on, on its way. Amen. I'm six time around Jericho and the seventh place right before me. Victory is mine. Praise God. Let's just worship. Brother Harry sings this song for us. Ask me how it is. Thank you, Lord. I'm still standing. How I'm standing. You wonder how I made it through this storm. storm. I can't boast of any special power. Oh, no, Lord. Hallelujah. It's no secret. I just held on, I held on till the storm was over. I don't claim to be a hero, I don't have all the answers, but I held on till the storm was over, not because I'm good, not because I'm great, not because I'm strong, I held on. I can tell the things are finally happening. I've got blessings I can call my own. Many times I wondered if I would make it, but while I was wondering, I just held on. I held on till the storm was over. I don't claim to be a hero. I don't have all the answers. I held on till the storm was over. Not because I'm good, not because I'm great, not because I'm strong, but I held on till the storm was over. I don't claim to be a hero. I don't have all I've got blessings I can call my own. Many times I wondered if I was going to make it. But while I was wondering, I just held on. And I held on till the storm was over. I don't have all the answers, but I held on. 
Not because I'm great, not because I'm strong, but I held on till the storm was over. I don't claim to be a hero. I don't have all the answers, but I held on till the storm was over. because I'm great, not because I'm strong. I held on till the storm was over. I don't claim to be a hero. I don't have all the answers. I held on till the storm was over. They say this mountain can't be moved They say these chains will never break But they don't know you like we do There is power in your heard that there is no way through we've heard this tide will never change they haven't seen what you can do there is power say our chains will never break but they don't know 
God, we believe for Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. May it be so. You neuroendocrine devil, I speak to you in the name of Jesus. I say to you, you are a bluff. Tech, my daughter. Your cells are so small, you're able to pass through the block, wouldn't you? You was able to pass through the block that God made in the body to separate the bloodstream from the brain. But you divided yourself in such a small way, smaller than a blood cell, so you could pass into her brain. You know what that tells me about you? You're scared. You're afraid. You're not afraid of us, but you're afraid of him. But we're letting you know today we've got your number. We've done seen the cards in your hands, Satan. You are defeated. You have no power over us as God's people. And I'll go ahead and say it to death itself. You will not make us fear. Death, you are defeated by the power of Jesus Christ. And I believe there's people standing right here in this building today that will rob death itself. Their hair will get gray, they may have false teeth, they may have contacts and wear glasses and this and that and the other, but one day they will rob death just like Jesus did at Calvary and we will take our mortal bodies right back from you. You've been working on me since I passed about 22. You turned my hair gray, I'm losing a little bit of my sight, losing a little bit of this, but I believe by the grace of God one day I will rob you of your victory. I will be changed back to a young man in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, hallelujah. Hallelujah, your days are numbered, Satan. You are defeated. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Can we just give the Lord Jesus a hand clap of praise? Oh, praise the Lord, he's the mighty conqueror. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship your Father. Oh, bless your name, Lord. Sing something else for us, Harry, before we go. God bless you, saints. Oh, I believe walls are crumbling. Victories are being achieved. Thank you, Lord God. We worship you now, Father. We bless your mighty name, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise you today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. We worship you, Lord. No one else can touch my God bless you, Saint. Like you do. I can search for eternity and find there is. Good time.
singing as you're dismissed. Sir.